Drive Time on RT Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. Protect your family's future with life cover from Zurich. Talk to a financial broker to find out more. Now, football is a, a funny old game, but it's nothing, obviously, uh, compared to politics and the media if the last 48 hours or so is to go by. Uh, Gary Lineker is set to return to BBC screens this weekend after he was taken off air for criticising the language used by ministers when discussing the UK government's asylum policy. The BBC will now begin an independent review of its social media guidelines, focusing on how it applies to freelancers outside of news. For more on this, I'm joined on the line by David Putnam, who's former member of the House of Lords, of course, and chairman of the uh, Future for Public Service Broadcasting Report in the UK. Uh, David Putnam, thank you very much indeed for joining us. It's a pleasure, really is a pleasure. I hope I find you well. Um, what did you make of, of the mess? Well, first of all, I'm going to say you find me a little bit smug because five years ago when we delivered that report, what they're doing is precisely what we suggested they would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, so you're dealing, you're dealing with a slightly smart person. Um, look, I think no one's coming out of this brilliantly. Um, you've got to go back to the beginning. This started, in a sense, because of really intemperate um, language from the Home Secretary, Sir Alan Braverman, at the, at the original first time of talking about the, the way in which he wanted to address the refugee problem. So that's where it started. Uh, did Should Gary have, have mentioned the, the Third Reich? Well, personally, I don't have a problem with that, but uh, others obviously did. Um, what I did, to declare an interest, I tweeted out on Saturday my own view, which was I used the, remember the, the, the famous letter of Pastor Niemöller, where, which ends with saying, where by, the time, by the time they came for me, there was no one to speak for me. Mm-hmm. And so the issue of addressing these issues and being seen to address these issues and get them, get them very early on is, I think, part and parcel of having a, a, a workable democracy. And I think so- what's... What Gary was being was a genuine Democrat, and I'm afraid that what Mrs. Braverman's being, and I speak this as a former Labour peer, is manipulate, attempting to manipulate public opinion in a very, very unpleasant way, in a way which can only, in the end, undermine democracy. OK, I'll digress in just a second, but okay. what, what do you think the BBC needs to do then? Uh, and I know you say you said it in your report basically five years or so ago. So what do you think, f- firstly, I mean, l- let's get down to the, the, the mess at hand. How do you think they dealt with it? And what do you think the conversations were behind the scenes between the BBC and Gary Lineker? I think they dealt with it appallingly badly. It's a real management failure. Now, what I imagine happened, uh, Tim Davey was in New York, Maybe they woke him up, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning, however, when this ever uh, no, originally broke. And he probably rather grumpily said, we've got guidelines, adhere to them. And because of the way the BBC is structured, people tend not to come back and say, well, hang on, surely we should have a proper discussion about this. Some idiot said, oh, OK, Director General, that's what we'll do. Uh, and that's what they did. Uh, this thing just should have been thought through. And the res- resolution they have now is the resolution they should have had on, you know, within 10 minutes of, of, of dealing with the issue. What do you think? Uh, so it's a, manage- doing? a management failure. It's a management oh, failure. I, I understand that, but there is a grey area, though, uh, isn't there? Because uh, he is a sports presenter. It's a news story. Does impartiality apply to him? He's also a freelancer. Does it apply to him in the same at the same standard and level as it would to Laura Koonsberg, for example? Um, so, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think there's a very clear dividing line between news and current affairs journalists and and other presenters, be they sports or or, or anything else for that matter. And the BBC it's, has kind of 
play play Boxer and Cox with those guidelines. The guidelines are, are incredibly, I think, incredibly unclear. Um, so the, the truth is this should have been addressed a long while ago when the, when the obvious danger of uh, social media became apparent to them. You know, we, in a way, these guidelines, I think, were invented for a print era. I don't think they were ever created or really thought through for a digital era. The BBC is in a difficult position, though, isn't it? Because they they have to retain the trust of the public. But there is now, in some people's eyes, a connection between Tory execs uh, or BBC execs. There you go, uh, Freudian sip, and, and the Tories. I, I think that's, uh, that's unquestionably the truth. But if you go right the way back, and I know you're speaking to an old man here, I go back to, uh, to, to uh, Norman Tebbit when he was sort of intimidating the BBC in the run-up assembly, in a run-up to a, a licence fee review, um, in such a way that in the hope that the BBC, as it were, would moderate in favour of the Tories because they were the control of the purse strings. And this is always the problem, not just about UK or Ireland or anywhere else. The problem for public service broadcasters such as yourselves, the problem is how do you work through your relationship with government when, in a sense, they can intimidate you without saying a word? Should the board be completely the in, so, so the board should be completely independent. Is that what you recommend? That's that's exactly what our report recommended five years ago, and it should be very, very clear and obvious independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the job is you know, that's why I think poor old Richard Sharp is who is a nice man has got himself in a problem. The job of the chairman of the BBC is to be obsessively uh, conscious of the BBC independence. That should be number one concern. How do you defend the BBC independence in in the face of Political, both political parties, or both major political parties, who will attempt to play games. Yeah. I'll go back to my digression uh, that I mentioned and <clears throat> get your own opinion on uh, the controversy. And you mentioned uh, Niemöller's letter. Um, yes. So you think that, that the comparison with 1930s Germany in terms of uh, current Tory policy on asylum seekers is correct? I do. Uh, no, do I think the sorry? Do I think the policy is correct? No, I absolutely do no, not. No, no, sorry. Well, I, I think, uh, the, the comparison with 1930s oh, Germany of that language. The, the comparison. I I think the parent comparison is absolutely fair. The one thing I know a lot about, because I did made two films on the subject, is the rise of Nazism and the way that in which uh, in which the the Nazi Party emerged. It didn't start overnight with with, with obvious with, with the you know kind of obvious attacks. It actually built and built and built, and it built because they were working. They worked on initially a very small base. If you, I, I don't want to bore your your, your listeners, no, no, but if you actually look, if you look at the um, the the voting figures. On the Nazi Party between 1927 and then 1933, they moved from being a very marginal party to the dominant party. And they did it by consistently playing on people's fears. That was what it was. And those fears then were re- reinterpreted as being minorities. Um, they could be they gypsies, be they Jews, whoever they may be. And so once you start as a politician using inflammatory terms and, and creating a sense of division, you were going down a path which is precisely the path that the Nazis took. And so Miss Braverman and all her colleagues should be very, very careful with the words they use and the, and the context within which they use them. Yeah. Can, can I bring you on another uh, less distressing digression and talk about the Oscars now? Uh, some people know an awful lot about having won one, uh, David Putnam. Um, last night's Oscars and the awards, what did you make of the sweeping of the boards of, of everything, everywhere, all at once? I thought it was extraordinary. Um, I've got to admit, I had to watch the film twice to actually understand it. But I think it's a sort of, it's an interesting response. Uh, what it is, that I think it's the industry saying, you know what, 
we've trodden the same path too long. It's been too familiar. And this this kind of almost this glorious um, revolutionary movie for me, I mean, at my age, but a, a brand new type of film has uh, has been applauded. I think it's a great thing. It means that the, you know, as it were, the bodices that, that filmmakers have found themselves laced into for a long time have mm-hmm. been, in a sense, released. I was personally really sorry that um, that the Quiet Girl didn't win because I think it's I think it's a masterpiece. Um, I'm not surprised because I, th- I think all oh, quite the Western Front was extraordinarily well made, but mm. I would have loved to have seen. I would have loved to have seen Colm walk off with it. I think I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to bits about the short film. Um, and uh, what can I say? I, you know, the Oscars are the Oscars. I think all in all, you look at all those awards. They point in a very interesting direction in that then there it's not more of the same. It's it's an industry beginning to look for experimentation and originality. That's only that can only be good. Yeah, for sure. And it was certainly interesting for, from an Irish point of view, even though we didn't get as many gongs as we would have uh, hoped for. But um, that praise from you, Masterpiece, is good enough for the moment. We'll take it. We'll take it. Well, um, I mean, uh, I, hey. listen, you're speaking to someone who lost three times as well as winning once. I yeah. know what losing feels like. It's, yeah. not, very, it's not a great feeling. <laughs> OK, well, well, look, maybe um, I'll leave you with saying possibly a rightly smug feeling, uh, David Putnam, this evening. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, David. <laughs>